Welcome back to another episode of Ecumenical, and today we're going to do the examination of conscience. You guys have an idea how that all works. Before we get started, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for watching. If you like this stuff, smash the like button. Please subscribe to the channel. If you have comments, put them down below. Happy to answer them. Examination of conscience is going to be an interesting one. Um, I think a lot of people may have questions on it, and I know there's a lot of different versions of it out there, so we're going to try and hit a thorough one. But yeah, make sure to share this video if it helps you uh, help other Catholics find their way so they can make sure they can get out there and, you know, make the most of confession and Lent while we're at it, since we got to do this uh, whole confession thing at least once a year, right? During Lent. So thank you for everything. Now, without further ado, let's do confession and examination of conscience. All right. So how is your Lent going so far? Is it hurting a bit physically, emotionally? Because all of those pains are how we get closer and more intimate with Christ. Now, spiritually happy and content, but it can hurt and doesn't feel the greatest. We understand that. And that's the doing violence to ourselves, that whole Matthew eleven twelve, right? So that's where we're at. Now, as we use Lent for our benefit and we take our meditations, our prayers, our masses, our penances, and we get grace from that, this is the time we have to build on ourselves and to kind of shave off, rub off, get rid of those rough edges and become that better person we need to be in Christ. Now, all of that goes really nicely with confession because you're talking sacramental grace. You're talking about the ability to go through and pinpoint the things that we do wrong, that we sin and the way we offend God. So the question is, one, have you been to confession yet? this Lent, because we all have an obligation to go at least once a year in this time period before Easter to make sure we can try and get as clean as possible uh, before we go to receive our Lord on the day of his resurrection. And we just get the biggest and greatest celebration out of Easter because we are going to join Christ and we'll be in a state of grace. Perfect, right? Awesome. Have you been yet? All right. Second, <laughs> if you're going to go or you have gone have gone or you're planning on going, do you know definitively the things you have done wrong, why they're wrong, and how does it measure into the whole equation of what we've been commanded to do by Christ? Do you have a way to verify definitively to a T to frame what you've done wrong? Because we all have to find it, right? We like I got to go in there and say, hey, what are all the sins that I have committed and what gravity are they? Did I do it willfully? Did I participate and just go along with something thoughtlessly? All of those considerations need to be made, right? Because we're looking at mortal and venial sins here. Again, mortal sins being you knew it was a grave matter. So that's two things. It's grave matter. You knew it and then you willfully committed it. If those three all have, you know, those conditions are met for your sins, it is a mortal sin versus a venial sin. If you're in a state of mortal sin and all three of those things have been done, you are not allowed to go take communion. Because if you take communion, then you add another grave sin on top of your existing mortal sin. You don't want to do that. So if it was a grave matter and you knew it and you did it willfully, go to confession immediately to get that sin cleaned up so you can get back in a state of grace, back into a state of spiritual life, union with Jesus Christ, and then go take communion, right? All right. But how do we know all that? What are, what are we supposed to do? We know generally we have the Ten Commandments, and they're still in effect. We know we have the two great commandments. Those are still in effect because they're kind of summaries of the other ten. 
Um, but how does that break out? What does it mean? Well, you have St. Thomas and other theologians that have done a lot of work to break it all out. So we can clearly see what is the full breadth of the instructions and the behavior expected. So what were we given and told to do by Jesus Christ? We have this volume of work that goes over hundreds of years to explain it, but there's got to be an easier way, right? To break down and say, hey, did I do these things wrong? Yes, there is. We have examinations of conscience. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw on the screen a link here. In that link, you can go through and look through an examination of conscience that's pretty thorough and figure out where you may have gone off the rails. Things that you have done wrong so that you can evaluate whether or not um, you're in a state of grace or not. You can evaluate where you need more improvement on, on your end because this is what I do. So my problem is, is I don't have necessarily the book that I take with me everywhere that's my examination of conscience, but we do have the internet and there are some good ones out there. So I took one, copied it, uh, gave credit to the folks who I have uh, used it from, and now I'm resharing it so all you guys have access to it. Now, as you read through this examination of conscience, remember that it's not completely based on what you can recall alone. Because we're not alone in this, right? We have God. God expects us that if we use his grace, we're going to come back to him and we're going to say, oh, I made all these mistakes. Can you forgive me? He's going to help. Well, then all the saints and angels are also there to help. Specifically in this matter, when you're trying to go and figure out, hey, I, I haven't been to confession in seven years. I haven't been to confession in months. I haven't even been to confession in four weeks or whatever it is, whatever your number is. And you're like, oh, what did I do wrong? I can't quite remember. When we go through the examination of conscience, that will help jog your memory. But from a spiritual standpoint, we have the Blessed Mother. If you invoke her under Our Lady of Sorrows, pray to her and ask her for assistance in remembering what we've done wrong, she'll help you pull out those things you've done wrong where you're already being convicted by God to say, hey, you've really messed this one up. And he'll tell you, let's go fix this. And you'll get that word through Mary. That's where she's at. She can help us in this. In the same vein, you have your guardian angel. Your guardian angel will also help you and any of the saints that you hold particular devotion to. Talk to them and ask for assistance because in the end, we're not doing this whole purification alone, right? It's not through good works alone that we get to heaven. We have to accept God's grace so that he can use us as his tools to do good things and so we can reject sin. But that means it's in union with God so we don't act alone. So don't act like confession needs to be done alone. Confession, you're doing it with heaven allied to you to strengthen you, to get you out of the state of sin and to into that position where you need to be. And you're also working with the priests who can help you along the way as well. Now, when you're waiting in line, though, to go to confession or you've called and scheduled ahead with your priest to take confession, the examination of conscience is where you can start, you know, knocking off that list and figure out what things you've done wrong and and what you need to ask forgiveness for. All right. So let's see what we got here. If we look at the way that it's broken out, it's broken out by commandment. So the examination of conscience will go first commandment, second commandment, third commandment, fourth, fifth, sixth and ninth together, seventh and tenth together, and the eighth commandment. Okay. It'll make sense as I break it all out. So we'll go through these. You throw in your questions, happy to answer them. Make sure you're ready to talk to your priest about these things, but always have confession as one of your normal tools that you go to 
because God made it for us, to get your grace back, to get into a better position for the future, to avoid the sins and stumbling blocks that we run into on a daily basis. Okay, so without further ado, since we've talked a lot and done all this buildup, what does it actually say in the examination of conscience? So first commandment, specifically, we're talking about all those sins that take us away from the proper worship, proper relationship with God. So that's heresies and apostasies. Um, We're not giving God what he is due. In this commandment, in this batch of sins, this is where we talk about, have we failed to do religious duties? Okay. Have we gone to religious services of heretical movements or of outright anti-Christian persuasions? All right. Have we done superstitious things? Have we done gone to fortune tellers? Have we looked at tarot cards or Ouija boards? All that stuff. All those things are covered in here. Our reverence towards God and putting him not in the right place. All of those things contribute to violations of the first commandment. So you'll want to read through this list to figure out what have you done? Maybe it'll help. Moving on to the second commandment here. We're looking at blasphemy. So this is now what you did with your mouth, how you've spoken about God, how you've treated God. Have you laughed at jokes that were irreverent? Have you made fun of or mocked or kind of taken holy things down a peg? Did you act irreverently or disrespectfully to the saints? Have you allowed others in your household to do that? Are you just sitting by watching these things happen? Are you committing scandal to to help these Uh, offenses take place? Have you tried to curse animals, people, or things? All right. All of these actions that show contempt for God with your own mouth, your expressions, your behaviors, that's where the second commandment comes in. Let's move on to the third commandment. Have you assisted at mass on Sundays and holy days of obligation? Have you been late for mass? Have you behaved properly in church? This would include Are you up there yakking in front of the Blessed Sacrament? I understand not all churches necessarily have a place where you can socialize, but the thing is, is that are you giving due reverence towards God in the times that he has set aside for himself? Are you giving back to him in that way as he's demanded? These are all the considerations. And also, have you then, if you have missed any of those things, which these are grave sins, by the way, did you then spend that time doing something that was also sinful So did you double down? And not only did you not go, which is sin number one, but then two, you actually did other things on top of it. These are all covered in the third commandment. Now, let's move on to the fourth commandment. When you're talking about, this is basically big on honoring the parents, right? Obedience to our superiors, because we do have superiors. First and foremost, we have God. Then we have our parents. So they can tell us what to do. As young children, we have bigger obligations to them than we do as adults. Um, And in that same vein, when we have an obligation to show honor and to show love and gratitude, uh, as well as obedience to our parents, have we done that? When we have bosses or superiors that we deal with, have we given them the respect that they are due and obeyed their licit orders that they've handed to us? When we're talking about lawful authorities, this includes prelates. Prelates when they're in a position of authority and they're giving licit orders, so things that God agrees with, that God has commanded to us, we have to obey them when it's within the sphere of father or the bishop. 
So if he says, don't do this thing at my church, or he says, if you're going to do this, do it in this place, or hey, we need to do these things now, that's up to him. It's his dominion. It's He's the father of the parish, so we have to obey him. Have you done that? Have you obeyed? Also included here, for your consideration, when you're in a position of authority, did you do the necessary instruction and commands to those people who were beneath you, the ones you had to control, and whether this is children, this is employees, so subordinates, did you show them Catholicism and how to do it, how to emulate you as a good Catholic? Did you give them instruction and guidance that was necessary to ensure that they would be able to follow these commandments of God? If you didn't do your job to educate them and build them up and bring them into it and set a positive example, these are also sins against God Almighty because you are only, if you're a parent and if you're a boss, you're only in authority for this time while you're alive. When you die, sooner rather than later, it's all over, which means you are only acting as the vicar. You are only acting as that second. You are in place of God for your children or for your employees, or if you're a government official for those people who are beneath you, your subordinates or, or the, the people who you rule, if you did not do your job to hold that respect and that honor and expect them to come up towards God, expect them to lift themselves up with the grace to be more like Jesus Christ, you didn't help them to do that, then you've committed sins against the fourth commandment. Have you done any of that stuff? Have you used your resources to go and further God among all of the families, uh, parishes, communities, the things you had control that you could affect and make better? Did you do that? Fourth commandment, very broad, maybe more broad in all these sense. I'm assuming that most of these commandments are more broad as I break this down than you ever really contemplated, or at least a lot of you. Now, moving on to the fifth commandment. So this is murder, right? However, when we look at it, just like when we were talking about the fourth commandment, it covers way more than just murder because we have to think about not only murder, but suicide for people who've done that, like, or attempted. You have to look at criminal neglect. So in things that cause serious injury or death to one another. And this includes abortion because that's murder, mercy killing. So this would be euthanasia type things. Or are we talking about hatred and anger for others? Are we, uh, those things are all considerations where we sit there and say, have we done those? Because if we do, that's got to be confessed. Those are grave matters. Because if we're in to this zone where we're sitting there thinking about, well, hey, I can just use narcotics. Hey, I can, you know, sterilization. You're talking about how much is that promoted in today's society? Um, drunkenness or did you help someone else commit mortal sins? So this is scandal. Um, all of those things contribute to the spiritual death of others. So even though we're talking about physical death, when we're talking about anger. Um, anger is where it leads into spiritual death, not just physical, but spiritual if you've done anything to contribute to those acts, those can be grave sins. We need to think about how we act and behave in a way that is loving and in line with God. And the fifth is the opposite of love. So you're talking about that malice, that anger. Um, have we entertained thoughts of jealousy, revenge, resentment, or contempt of others? Um, did we do things that endangered our lives or the lives of others, neglected to take care of the health of people around us that we had the obligation to keep healthy. If we fail in any of those regards, these are all things to confess. We have not only the physical body and the emotions to take care of, but we also have the spirit to take care of. And those who are weaker among us on the spiritual side, we can lead them into error to cause all of these sins themselves. That's the scandal. So they end up 
getting angry. They end up committing violence. They end up doing all these things. And we have an obligation to lead by example and show them something better. Okay. Moving on to the sixth and the ninth commandments. So these are the sins of impurity. Now, these are fairly detailed. And the whole point is, is we're talking about purity and modesty. We owe that to everyone. So this is what we think, what we say, how we dress. Um, are we doing things that are ultimately encouraging people to violate the sixth and ninth commandments? So like what? So this is where we talk about adultery, fornication, self-abuse, indecent dressing, necking, and pure kisses, dancing, a whole thing. There's a lot of it in there. Read through those details, but you're getting the idea of that this is everything that goes along with things like pornography and other content that would be scandalous, other content that would encourage people to commit sins of the flesh. Uh, this is where not only do we talk about the sixth and committing adultery as a sin, all of this is fitted, but it's also all this fits into it. We're also looking at the ninth commandment in that ninth commandment is enticing. It's envious. It's trying to have a desire for adultery. And again, these sins are only sins. So regardless of which commandment we're talking about are only sins. If it comes into your mind and you entertain it, you build it out, you keep going with it because you like the way it feels. You thought about it more. You're like, Hmm, I wonder, well, if you do that, in any of these commandments, then the thought is also sinful. Now, if you're tempted because you see it and it comes into your mind, you say, oh, I could do this thing. But immediately you're like, I don't want to commit this sin. I don't want to think about this sin. I need to focus on God. I need to go distract myself. I need to get to work, whatever it is you need to do. So you can turn away from the sin and you've done that, then it's not sinful. It's You don't have to confess it. But all these things where you decided to entertain immodest thoughts, words or actions, you decided to speak words or phrases of double meaning to people who are not your significant other, who you're married to, who you're allowed to go and have that intimate physical relationship with. Have you told suggestive stories, encouraged others to go and be impure, taught others anything about this they shouldn't have actually been thinking about or doing? This includes bad books. This includes bad songs, lewd songs, all those things. If you are contributing to this, set of sins. These are grave because in the end, these ultimately contribute to what would amount to a, a culture of death. All right. That's why it's a big deal. So moving on to the seventh and the 10th commandments. Now we're talking about physical property and the handling of that property and our emotions or thoughts towards that property. So seventh and 10th commandments forbid not only theft, but envious the thoughts, the desire to have those things or to that you're angry that someone else doesn't have them. So you can want certain physical items it's a thing like, hey, I'd love to have a nice boat to, you know, take on vacation or, hey, I, wouldn't it be great to have a thousand bucks or something like that to go buy this thing because I wanted to give someone a really nice gift, whatever those that's not sinful to have that desire. The sin is when you're willing to go and beat someone up to take it or you're willing to go in the you know dead of night and take it or you're willing to lie so you can acquire things that shouldn't be yours. So when we're looking at that, we're talking about. Seventh and Tenth Commandments, forbidding robbery, burglary, bribes, stealing, damaging property of others. And we're talking about dishonest dealings when you're talking about cheating, unjust keeping of books and damage of property in, in terms of this includes public officials, by the way, doing things to actually fleece people of their goods. All of those actions are sinful. 
to include, are you making excessive profits? Are you doing it basically in a way that injures someone? So profit can be fine because obviously every single one of us works a job and we want to take home enough discretionary money, right? So I can do some things that I want to do. That would be profit for any of us who make enough money so I can go out to eat or I can go to a movie or I can go on vacation. Those, That's profit. That's okay. And companies make profit. The issue becomes when you sit there and say you had something where you could have made a little bit of profit, but you decided now I'm going to make so much profit because I just want it. And I don't care how much it hurts the people who buy it because I'm the only place they can get it. And you go from a supply and demand to the absurd levels to the point where then it's more of a crony capitalist type thing. Now we have problems. So this means you're talking about people who are willing to go do things that are shady to get more money, to get more property, to get more control. So this then would include counterfeiting, money laundry, all those types of things. This would include fleecing your employer, not actually working the full time that you said you were going to work. You're not returning things that you borrowed, running up charges and not actually paying your charges on your accounts, things like that. You're not returning found articles you got. You know, you oh, hey, I found this thing of yours, but I'm not going to tell you I'm going to keep it. That's bad. Okay. And when you think about all those things, that's what the seventh and 10th commandments cover. Now we'll hit the eighth commandment and then uh, we'll wrap this thing up. So the eighth commandment forbids lies, calumny, detraction, perjury, unjust and unnecessary criticisms, fault finding, gossip, backbiting, insults, rash judgment, telling of secrets, cheating, and tailbearing. So you're just really chatty to the point where you're willing to destroy other people while you chat is included in lying, okay? Because you're not doing things with your mouth, with your tongue that are helpful to others. You're ultimately causing damage, despair, division, distrust, and it creates this whole situation where people now, not only can they not trust you anymore because they're like, oh, this person's going to tell everyone about all the things I got going on, all my dirty laundry, they'll air it. This also means you're to the point where you can take other people to the point where they will be distrusted based on things that you said that were false, that were overblown, that were out of context, because you didn't control yourself when you talk to other people. That could be bad, right? Have you entertained unkind thoughts about others, harbored suspicions, nursed resentments, refused to forgive others when they express contrition? And if we look at our Father, the Our Father prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If you don't forgive other people, God cannot forgive you. That ends up turning into an Eighth Commandment violation if you are withholding forgiveness on people who need it. You and I have obligations to forgive everyone who has harmed us in any way, shape, or form. And then we leave it up to God to do judgment and punishment if it's outside of our control, right? Okay? And then lastly, have you brought harm to neighbors through your words without trying to repair it? Have you actually tried to destroy good works from other people just because you were jealous or angry about it. All of those things with your mouth, just like the second commandment, the eighth commandment is a lot of sins of the mouth. And what did you do with your tongue and how did you use it? Were you glorifying God and building people up and giving them hope and giving them correction so that they could find their way to God? Or were you actually doing the opposite and tearing people apart? Okay, so we got all that stuff in there. We also have in this examination of conscience below, we'll go through the precepts of the church in terms of Sundays and holy days of obligation, keeping fasts, going to confession at least once a year. That's why we're doing this video. Wink, wink. Also, are you a member of any forbidden societies or are you a communist? These things are still 
actually relevant with multiple documents from multiple popes and talking about the the beliefs held by those organizations that are absolutely anti-church, anti-Catholic. So we need to get that sorted out. Have you contributed to the support of the church, the school, or the pastor? And I understand there may be people who don't want to give money to Rome, but have you talked to your local parish about getting them money to solve their little problems that Father, you know, Smith has? Have you helped him out so he can do his work? And lastly, uh, are you married in alignment with the laws of the church? And have you ensured that other people are maintaining their sacramental vows? Or did you go against that? These are all things we have to think about. And we also have, lastly, it'll be duties of children and husbands and wives. All of us have specific things we need to do for the betterment of each other. So, putting all that together, <laughs> there's more than I said here, okay? I kind of hit some wave tops. There's a lot of detail and examinations of conscience. Make sure you are familiar with the full depth of what the examination of conscience says, what it asks us to do, what we're checking to see whether or not we've abided by all the commandments of God. Look further into the Decalogue by St. Thomas, and if need be, I can try to look a link up. I will make sure to put a link on the screen to the Decalogue. Use that and then you go look up what St. Thomas said, because he expands and explains why all of these sins are covered under the respective commandments. All right. The more you know, the closer you can be to God. The more you know, and the more you're willing to tell other people, to educate them, to do work with your mouth and your hands, your mind, to give other people this information, they can stay out of sin as well. And we can bring more people to Christ. That means we're accepting way more grace and we can hopefully make this world a better place, right? With God's grace, we will make it a better place. The question is whether or not you accept the grace and accept the proposition God has given us, the Great Commission, to bring him to as many people as we can. That's our job. Going to confession will do that. Knowing how to do a good confession, using this examination of conscience, making sure you do not hold back any of your sins because you don't want to commit sacrilege, right? You want to go and make sure that you do the penances assigned by the priest. If you want to hear more on either the precepts of the church and kind of look at a whole video on that, or we want to look at our stations in life and what those obligations entail, or if you want to hear about the virtues, because I'm really thinking about doing a video on the virtues, tell me down below and I'll be happy to go and look at whatever the next videos are going to be that could give us that perspective, that information that will help you guys a lot and we'll make sure it's available. So also look for the website. I'm going to try to uh, get these episodes and the links to the sources up there so you guys can follow along. So just like the links, look at the blog link. So the base pseudoclasm.wordpress.com. You'll be able to find more there. And uh, yeah, so it's been a good episode. Thank you all for your time. I appreciate you all watching. If this video helped, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, share the video out there. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So thank you for your time. May God bless us all. The Virgin protect us. So may the Virgin protect us and St. Joseph pray for us. All right. See you later.